This podcast is brought to you by everythingvoluntary.com. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Everything Voluntary. Be sure to check out and subscribe to the Voluntarist Voices podcast, brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. Voluntarist Voices is a podcast featuring lectures, interviews, and audio essays by intellectual giants, past and present. If you're new here, let me tell you what this podcast is all about. It's about voluntarism, free markets, peaceful parenting, radical unschooling, and much more. Thank you so much for listening, and please enjoy. Before my podcast went on hiatus around 2015, um, uh, with my co-host, Phil Eager at the time, we had started a number of mini-series, and I thought that I would continue at least a couple of them. One of, one of them is uh, in Economics 101, which was us sort of going over and reviewing and talking about, at least uh, at first, and it may, it, it may go beyond this, but uh, this um, series of essays by Walter Williams titled Economics for the Citizen, uh, which is a, a really good introductory series. It's short, it's sweet, it's to the point, and it's interesting. So we got um, four parts. It's a 10-part series. We got four parts in. So I'm going to continue that. So it'll be part five. It'll be on uh, opportunity cost. I'm basically going to read that essay and add some commentary. I'm also, in this episode, going to continue another miniseries titled Wizard's Rules, which is based on the sort of truths, fantasy, epic fantasy series by Terry Goodkind throughout the series and it's just an absolutely fantastic series probably my favorite fantasy series and there's a there's several books I've not read yet after the initial thir- 13 I believe that I read he's continued the story in different directions with different characters and I've not I've not gone forward with it yet but throughout the series the character encounters what are called wizard's rules they're really I guess, sort of principles that I, I found interesting. So I think we're on the fifth one, Wizard's Rule Wizard's rule number five. So I'll just read that and maybe get some thoughts on it in this episode as well. Before I get to either of those things, I did want to read this image that I saw come through my Facebook feed that honestly brought back some bad memories for me. <laughs> And it goes like this, a brief list of sayings teachers use to manipulate, threaten, and control children in the classroom. As I read each one of these, I did have a few flashbacks that were not to read through these. And let's uh, see if, you know, if you have sort of the same reaction. The first one, when I'm talking, you're not. Shiver. Second, it's time to put your pencil down. Oh, I remember that. Typically, at the end of a test, the time limit was up. And if you were somebody who was a little slower, too bad. If you didn't finish, who was a little slower, too bad. If you didn't finish, too bad. You get those wrong. Is school proceeding according 
to a faster pace than the way you operate, too bad. All right, the next one. Stop talking. Oh my gosh, I'm having one right now. School is such an unsuitable environment for children. The next one, stop tapping. Eh, I don't think I ever heard that. That wasn't an issue for me. Kids that hear that these days are sooner or later given drugs. I mean, just think about that. This environment is so unnatural, so unsuitable, that the only way we can get some kids to repress their natural impulses is to give them synthetic chemicals. All right, the next one. Look at the board. Well, the board isn't interesting to me. Why, why would I look at that? The next one. Put your book away. You find that more interesting than me? Too bad. Put it away. You're distracting others. <laughs> what you're doing is more interesting to other students than what I'm doing. You need to stop. I need to downgrade their life experience right now and put their attention back on me. <laughs> yeah, the next one. You're hurting others learning. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you, Ms. Teacher or Mr. Teacher, need any help in that department. Next one. Your name is going on the wall. You see, your behavior is incompatible with my preferences. I'm going to publicly shame you for that by writing your name right here for everyone to see and for everyone to fear having their name likewise written here on this board. Next one, you're getting a detention. We're putting you in school jail. Fuck me. See me after class. Ooh, that one. That, that's, that's the anxiety inducer right there. That's the... That's the, you're in trouble, but I'm not going to just get this out of the way. I'm going to make you sit and shit yourself and worry about what the hell might be the problem. I'm going to make you think that you've done something horrible and that I'm going to tell you all about why I don't like it. Next one, you will get a bad grade otherwise. If you don't do what I say, if you don't behave and accomplish the things I have chosen for you, I'm going to I'm going to give you a mark that will signal to your parents that they need to punish you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Next one. You will not be successful if you do not study. You will not be successful if you do not study. You will be a failure if you don't do everything I'm instructing you to do in the way I want you to do it, and to my satisfaction, you will fail at life. Your life will be over. You will have nothing. You will never meet a woman. You will never get a job. You will never have kids. You will never be happy. You will never find meaning. You will never amount to anything. You would be as good as dead if you do not study. Next one. You need school if you want a good job. Without school, without prison for kids, you can't possibly learn anything you need to know for a well-paying and meaningful work. Jesus Christ. This will be important in your life. That reminds me. You won't grow up with a calculator in your pocket. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Next one. Eyes on me. God, teachers are narcissistic. 
Next one. I'm going to move your seat. You and your friend, you can't be together anymore. You will learn how I want you to learn. Not next to somebody who's trapped in here with you that you care about, that you prefer to be around. You're going to be around people that you, you don't want to be around. God. Next one. Go to the principal's office. I went to the principal's office a couple of times. It was always one of those things where the principal's given a story, obviously one-sided, and then it's supposed to do something with that. It's supposed to talk to you out of your t- talk to you about your tomfoolery. Give me a fucking break. All right, that's it. I hope. I hope. I hope that that was not as painful as it was for me. <laughs> And if it was, then just be glad you're not in it anymore. And think twice about sending your kids to that environment. All right, let's move on. Yeah, we're going to do Economics 101 Part 5, Opportunity Cost. All right, here we go. Again, this is by Walter Williams, who's an, econ- an economist. He was, he was over the economics. He was the, economics, the chairman of the economics department at George Mason University. I think he might be retired from that. I don't think he's that anymore, but of course he taught there. And he was the one that introduced me to economics. He was the first. And then Thomas Sowell, but he was the first. Here we go. Someone might have made you a gift of this newspaper. Does that mean reading this article is free? The answer is a big fat no. If you weren't reading the article, you might have watched television, talked to your wife, or worked on your homework. The cost of having or doing something is what had to be sacrificed. While reading this article might have a zero price, it most assuredly doesn't have a zero cost. To reinforce the idea that price is not the full measure of cost, imagine that you live in St. Louis, Missouri. The barber who cuts your hair charges $20. Suppose I told you that a barber in Charleston, South Carolina would charge you $5 for an identical haircut. Would you consider the Charleston haircut cheaper? While it has a lower price, it has a much greater cost. You'd have to sacrifice much more in terms of time, travel, and other expenses in order to get the Charleston haircut. People often erroneously think of costs as only material things, but that which is sacrificed when a particular choice is made can include clean air, leisure, morality, tranquility, domestic bliss, safety, or any other number of values. For example, a possible cost of a night out with the boys might be the sacrifice of domestic bliss. Costs affect our choices in many ways, and for the purposes of this discussion, we're going to assume that all the costs associated with a given choice are borne by the chooser. Just about the most important generalization that we can make about human behavior is that the higher the cost of a particular choice, the less of it will be chosen, and the lower of the cost, the more of it will be chosen. This generalization underlies the law of demand. For simplicity, let's assume prices measure costs while we hold everything else influencing choice constant. The law of demand can be expressed several ways. The lower the price of something, the more will be taken. And the opposite is true for the higher price. We can also say that there exists a price whereby one can be induced to take more or less of something. Finally, there's an inverse relationship between the price of a good and the quantity demanded. Why do people behave this way? The answer, in a word or two, is that people try to be as happy as they can. For example, if when the price of oil rises, people simply ignored the price price increase, they'd have less to spend on other things and be less happy. If they sought substitutes for the higher priced oil, they'd have more, they'd have more money left over and they'd be happier. That's why higher oil prices give people incentive to purchase more insulation, buy better windows, wear sweaters, and maybe move to a warmer climate. 
These choices and many more are substitutes for heating oil, allowing you to use less oil. When people say a certain amount of one thing or another is an absolute must, that's like saying the law of demand doesn't exist and there are no substitutes. That's untrue. Consider a diabetic. Can he do without 50 units of insulin a day? The law of demand says that at some price, say at $1,000 a unit, he can. There's always at least one substitute for any good, and that's doing without the good altogether. In the diabetic's case, no insulin. While not having insulin has unpleasant consequences, it's a likely substitute at $1,000 a unit. You say, Williams, that kind of economic analysis is cruel. It's no crueler than the law of gravity that predicts that if you jump off a skyscraper, you're going to die. Both outcomes are unattractive, but it's reality. Indeed, tragically, millions of our fellow men around the globe are forced to endure the unpleasant substitute of insulin. In the next discussion, we'll explore some interesting features of cost, choice, and the law of demand. So the first thing he talked about here, and, it, and, it, and it's really kind of the theme throughout, is this idea of opportunity cost. What is it costing me to sit here and record this podcast for you right now? Well, I could be watching a show. I could be playing Uno with my wife or Jen with my wife. I could be um, doing any number of things, but I'm not doing any of those things. Instead, I'm doing this. In fact, while I was recording and reading that essay, my wife called in. And instead of answering it, I chose that it probably isn't that important. She's good. I, I want to make her wait for me to finish this recording and then I will call her back. So I declined the call. I may be mistaken on the costs that I will have to pay for that decision. <laughs> I may be mistaken. I don't think I will be. I did a little prob- probability, probabilistic analysis in my mind over the course of about three seconds uh, that it, it's, it's probably not something that is an emergency. But every time you do anything, even even when you choose to, to buy something, if I choose to, to pay $100 and to buy, say, this microphone, what I, I no longer have that $100, that's, that's a cost, but what does that $100 represent? It represents a million other goods that I could have purchased with that $100. How do I know that that microphone is the absolute best way for me to make myself happy, to remove my felt uneasiness, in the words of Mises, to satisfy my desire versus something else to spend that $100 on? How do I know that going today at dinner time and working for three hours and earning 80, 90 bucks is the best use of my time at that time? There's uncertainty in life. So sometimes these opportunity costs can't always be measured. Mostly, they probably can't be measured. But when we have an option to do one thing or another, we can take a few minutes to consider the alternatives. Maybe if I don't spend this $20 now on this little trinket, that $20 will will earn me some interest, and I'll have more money in the future to spend on something possibly more valuable and more meaningful to me. Time preference is another economic concept that perhaps we'll get to one day. All right, that's that's going to be it for Economics 101. Let me jump over to Wizard's Rules. Yeah, we're on the fifth. Wizard's fifth rule. Let me open it here. So the fifth rule was in the, the book Soul of the Fire, 
to be honest, I don't specifically remember the plot of that book. I'm not going to go over it or anything like that. I'm sure I could find a, find something about it. Um, let me just read you the rule. Let me, let me do this. Let me do a quick review of the first four. Okay. You'd have to go back, you know, years ago in the archives to find the first four. Actually, if you go to everythingvoluntary.com, click the podcast network link. It's a menu that comes down. Go to Everything Voluntary. You can then see the list of miniseries. Go down to the bottom, click Wizards Rules, and that'll take you right to the first four. And you can listen to each of them, and you can listen to me and Phil chat, you know, a few years ago when we, when we were doing it together. Um, okay, so this was the first rule. People are stupid. They can be made to believe any lie because they either want to believe it's true or because they are afraid it's true. That one is a very handy rule to keep in mind. People are stupid. They can be made to believe any lie because either they want to believe it's true or because they are afraid it's true. That's pretty much politics one-on-one, as I'm sure you'd agree. Anytime you have pundits, blowhards, bloviating, just keep that rule in mind. I just had a thought. Maybe I'm a pundit. Maybe I'm bloviating. Maybe I'm a blowhard. (laughs) I probably am. Second rule. The greatest harm can result from the best intentions. Ooh, that's economics 101 right there. The greatest harm can result from the best intentions. Okay, we'll say it's economics 201. Intentions, when it comes to political action, they it shouldn't mean a damn thing. Intentions should not matter. Unfortunately, it's the most important thing to most people. What are your intentions? I intend to make everybody rich. So I'm going to enact this economic policy. Never mind, economics tells us this policy will be a disaster. My intentions are good, but, you know, fuck everything else. All right, Wizard's third rule. It's related. Passion rules reason, for better or for worse. Passion is important, but it shouldn't rule reason. We should use reason to, when we think about what's going to happen if we behave this way or that way. We should use reason for cost-benefit analysis purposes. But we should use passion to really propel us towards our goals once we've set them, after using reason. Reason should be a companion to passion. Passion should not rule reason. Uh, Fourth rule. There is magic in sincere forgiveness. In the forgiveness you give, but more so, in the forgiveness you receive. Sometimes you just got to realize that people, a person I should say, again, wizards rule one, people are stupid. A person will often, not always, but often act according to the knowledge they have. And sometimes that is mistaken. Thinking about that, thinking about even intention, okay? Sometimes intention does matter, especially when, it, when it's a matter of evaluating somebody personally about what it is they're trying to do. Understanding intention can help us be a little bit more merciful and forgiving. But, well, it's like a mirror, right? When we see other people do stupid stuff, sometimes that's a mirror. And we can see stupid stuff in ourselves, things that we've done. And sometimes we need to be forgiven so that we can move forward. All right, here we go. Wizard's fifth rule. Mind what people do, not only what they say, for deeds will betray a lie. This is 
this is really taking a step up as far as how mindful you are about what other people are saying and doing, even people that you trust, even people that you love. We have a way of saving our best lies for the people who mean the most to us. And if that's true for each of us, then it's true for each of you. We should be careful about that. You may say one thing, but evaluate the alternatives of what could happen and hold them there somewhere in the back of your mind so that when something does happen, it's not so unexpected and it's not so difficult to be dealt with. Consider the alternatives. You tell me this, I'm going to believe you, I'm going to trust you, but I'm also going to, to think about a couple of other things that may, may be more accurate. Mind what people do, not only what they say, for deeds will betray a lie. Okay, all right, I guess that's it. We uh, did some, tr- we uh, experienced some trauma there at the beginning with the, what teachers say. <laughs> we did, uh, we continued the Economics 101 miniseries with Opportunity Costs. And we consider we co- we continued the Wizards Rules miniseries with Wizards Fifth Rule. All right, thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Please send your comments or questions to everythingvoluntary at gmail.com. Please consider supporting this podcast and everythingvoluntary.com by visiting patreon.com forward slash EVC or paypal.me forward slash everythingvoluntary. Thank you. Thank you.